Welcome to episode 54 of Probably Polly, the podcast where we question everything, even our name. As always, I am your host, Michael Haig. I am your co-host, Sarah Lucas. And I'm your co-host, Mandy Conant. And it's crazy how fast things have been going because in my mind I have been talking about Black Lives Matter stuff basically everywhere for a really long time but I guess we only put out a podcast every two weeks so I guess we only actually did one podcast on it yeah we did one episode we did one group zoom chat and about 25 posts on the Facebook page if you read or check the Facebook page and a YouTube that reminds me we should talk about the YouTube videos we haven't actually talked about that in a podcast yet just to let people know what happened there Maybe that's why I felt like we did more episodes because we did the YouTube too. We actually recorded three different Black Lives Matter episodes. The first one was made into a YouTube video, the first of a video series we're starting called Probably Poly Particulars, which looks at things that we can cover in less than 15 minutes. We already have a very long format for the podcast, so that's nice to have a shorter format that we can link people to. Like the podcast, it's going to take us a while to get used to getting them out on a regular schedule. The goal is to release them on the adverse Friday. So in theory, we'll now be releasing a weekly episode with a long episode on the podcast and a short episode on the particular. Now, with the interview with Charlotte Uprising and talking about Black Lives Matter issues, we pulled the audio from the particulars video and we posted it here because we thought it was important to get it to as many people as possible. And since we'd never released a video before, we didn't think it was likely that people would randomly notice we had a video channel (laughs) and listen to it if we didn't post it. But we're not going to be posting the other episodes. So the episode that we just recorded for the particulars is When Will I Know Polyamory Isn't For Me? So we got that first episode it'll be out soon our youtube channel is just probably poly on youtube you can find our channel and sign up for it and we will post the link to the youtube channel we'll also post it on the facebook as an individual post for sure the goal of the particulars in addition to reaching a wider audience is to try and make a bank of one-off explanations that we can reference more easily because we often end up finding ourselves in the position in the show of going well, we've already talked about x and then having to do like a little bit of background on it and for our regular listeners, I think that probably gets tiresome. So we were thinking we could package specific issues to a smaller concept. So like we're going to do one that's just what is objectification, philosophically speaking, if you don't understand the concept, check it out. Mm. They're just quickies. So we are not going to do Black Lives Matter core content today, but we want to remind you that it's still happening. The protests are still happening. You need to stay focused. You need to stay in it. You got to keep your head in the game, as we've said on a couple of other episodes. But we also think that we're not the most time appropriate platform. And obviously, we're also all white. So we're just kind of covering what we're seeing. And we don't have anything right now else to say. So we're gonna let other voices who are better at that say that and just remind you to keep focus. June 21st is when we're recording this particular episode. Father's Day. So happy Father's Day late to all the fathers and to you, Michael. Thank you. Yes. And happy Father's Day to all the other fathers out there. I saw a really cool post today that said, if you're not a father and you didn't get butt hurt by somebody saying happy Father's Day today, then you really should understand Black Lives Matter. We've done a lot of heavy episodes recently. So it's fun today. I think that you can't have only episodes that ask people to do incredible amounts of work and no episodes that are just aimed at more immediate happiness. Yes. Because my claim about doing the right thing is that in the long run, the right thing always leads to more happiness. So you'll be able to look in your kid's eyes and know that you're did the right thing and you're a good person and you won't have to Mm -hmm. confront like when we see some of the stories of people who finally change their minds on whether or not they want to be racist or not the answer is because my kid was like why are you doing this and I could see that it hurt how they saw me and I didn't want to be that person the reason that I say you be a good person is because in the long run it's actually better for you but I do also think you need some things that are better for you that are closer So I had two topics that I looked through that I think might fit that bill. (laughs) So I thought I would run them by the two of you and see which one you guys want to do. Okay. So one that I've been wanting to do for a really long time is pay people in their own currency. Like you got me something I don't care about. You got me something you care about. I don't want it to be a critique, but I feel like I can't talk about it without also critiquing the five love languages because they're so similar. Mm -hmm. And then the second thought that I had was I was having a conversation with somebody and I was thinking about how with the social distancing that's going on with the coronavirus... Mm-hmm. Quick PSA, we had a record high number of cases in North Carolina like a week mm-hmm. ago. In my county, we had like 6,000 cases in the week and 100 people died. We've hit 120,000 people have died in the country. Yeah. People are going, I think it's good. We'll open up and don't need masks. And it's such an easy thing. Stay home, social distance, do not listen to that. But so we were talking about what I like best about 
and I'm not even sure what you'd call this exactly, but I mean, it's normally for me, it's in, it's part of power exchange relationships, like DS relationships. I don't know that it even requires it to be DS, to be honest, is that they tend to incorporate large amounts of imagination games so that you're basically having sex with your partner 24 hours a day, even when you're not physically around your partner. And my thought was that spending time talking about how that works, what makes that work and how people could apply that would be a really great topic when you can't be around your partners right now. Mm-hmm. I choose that one. <laughs> I'm interested. Yeah, yeah. So everybody votes for the sex one. Cool. Yes. Easy peasy. <laughs> well, I just, I got an amazing new vibrator that works. Ooh. Bluetooth, all that craziness. Nice. Oh, yeah. I want one of those. I don't know why this has always been linked to power exchange in my experience. And I think it's because power exchange tends to have a form of gamesmanship built into it. Yeah. Right. So part of the way that you show off the power exchange is by having like assignments. So like a standard assignments that people will give are like every day at 10 o'clock, send me a photo of yourself. Okay. To go to the expand the definition of sex, when we talk about sex, we're not talking about sexual intercourse. Everything that is the sexual dialogue and that creates sexual feelings is part of sex. Mm -hmm. So kissing is part of sex. Stroking is part of sex. Talking dirty is part of sex. Mm -hmm. All the foreplay. Foreplay is part of sex. Love poems are part of sex. Yeah. All of that is sex. But a lot of sex is relatively temporally limited. So Sarah, you, I'm just, you're getting a puzzled look and I'm trying to get a read on where you're at. Are you really familiar with DS relationship structures or is that not something that you've spent a lot of time with so far? No, I don't. Okay. You're not. It's fascinating. It's dumb sub, right? Okay, so that's a good point. So the DS, usually written capital D backslash lowercase s, is a shorthand for dominant and submissive and is usually a stand-in for all forms of power exchange when said quickly like that in a discussion. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people want more specific notes. They would want to say like we're an MS for like master slave. Or mistress slave. Yeah. I'm using everything here gender neutral. I know a lot of dominants that like to use the word master who are women identifying. But yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So there's lots of different titles and, and titles are a big thing, but that's a different. I think if we just use dominant and submissive, that would uh, cover everything. That's like the shorthand for the grouping, but there's a lot of sub identifications underneath that that people will choose to use that you can look into more or you already know about if that's your jam. And so the idea is basically that there's just some sort of power exchange, which is interesting because we talk a lot in the show about objectification being problematic and we always throw out a not in DS. Non-consensual power exchange or non-consensual objectification. And when we say that what we're referencing is the DS scenario, mm-hmm. the negotiated intentional DS scenario. The negotiation of consent in that dynamic, is it any different than like negotiating consent in if you were to introduce Polly to someone or, or something? Is there anything special about negotiating consent in a DS setting? I would say no-ish. Yeah. I think most of the tools in polyamory for consent negotiation came out of DS discourse. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Okay. And so I think it's really similar because I think it's actually built on the bones of that system. The only thing that may be different is that sometimes in some DS scenarios, there's stuff that might be more extreme. Like there's a question in DS scenarios of whether or not blood play is appropriate, for instance. I vote totally appropriate. Okay. (laughs) See, I don't know. I don't know. That's hard for me. I'm going to use the word vanilla here, but not negatively. Mm-hmm. I don't think vanilla is a negative word personally. I don't either. Because vanilla is literally the best tasting spice ever, which is why it's in everything. Right. It became ubiquitous because it's the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. Like if you got rid of vanilla, you'd be super sad. Right. Like vanilla is even in chocolate, by the way. Right. You decide to make chocolate, it's got vanilla in it. <laughs> You're, there's almost no dessert that doesn't. Like blueberry pie has vanilla in it. Mm-hmm. Fucking everything tastes better with vanilla. And so, yeah, I don't think that's a problem. Vanilla is a good base. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to use vanilla here to basically mean not having DS elements. Right. Okay. And I'm also going to mean it here in not having intentional DS elements because people will get bogged down and stuff like, well, if you like bondage, you're not vanilla. But like bondage, just tying someone to the bed with silk ropes is so standard. It's in the vanilla toolkit for most people. Or like a little light spanking. You look at Cosmo articles and Mm -hmm. it's like 60% of people like light spanking. You know what I mean? Like it's... Right. It's not, it's not like kink. Yeah. And, and I mean, it can be. Sure. There are people who, I mean, take their spanking incredibly serious. They've got classes on it. They've studied up on it. They're a master of spanking. They have amazing technique. Hmm. That's in the DS camp. I'm good with that. <laughs> but I spanked my girlfriend. She bent over and went, that was fun. I'm not going to say you're not vanilla. Because people are like, you're not vanilla. You're BDSM if you do that. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> 
I mean, by literal definition of BDSM, which is, you know, bondage, sadomasochism, yes, there's some pain play, there's some bondage play, but that's not what that means. It's, it, I feel like it's more intentional than that. So the thing is that then in the DS relationship, you want to have ways to show off that you've made this power exchange. Okay. It tends to still, whatever the form takes, look something like one person gets a command and then they have to respond to that command in some way. And how the rules for that go depend on the game. Because there are people, for example, that think it's fun if the person is, is a subgroup called brats who intentionally break your commands in weird ways to like mm-hmm. drive you nuts. And then that's part of the game for you. Right. To get that discipline and punishment. And, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I'm not going to say that you have to follow the command. It may be that someone gives commands and you always don't follow the command and that's part of the game. But there's a, a command and then there's a response and that the dance of those two things together is a sexual act for you. Okay, that makes sense. Those sorts of tasks don't have to be done in person. Yeah. So obviously some of the really, really basic ones are going to definitely be done still in person, like take your clothes off or whatever. Mm -hmm. But there's no reason that take your clothes off can't be done at distance, like over a video camera or take your clothes off, take a photo of it and send it to me. Mm -hmm. And it tends to be that the longer you play, the more daring or situational becomes more exciting to you. So it's like take a photo of yourself naked at work and like the person hides in a closet and takes a photo and sends it to you or like in the bathroom stall or something right Mm -hmm. and so that stuff 100 you can do with no distinction Mm -hmm. right now and i don't really care what the game style takes i'm definitely in the pay people in their own currency mindset for that for me Mm -hmm. i'm willing to play any version of this game that gets the other person playing okay I don't otherwise care what's happening because what I like is the fact that at a certain level, it means you're basically having sex all of the time if you're doing it right. Mm-hmm. Okay. You get up in the morning and either you have tasks to do or there are tasks waiting for you to look at or you have to think of tasks for that person to do and you have to think through those things and you have to think through their outcomes. So you're thinking, okay, well, my plan is to have this person send me a nude photo every day at 10 o'clock and then if they don't, then here's what kind of punishment I'll write them and here's the dirty thing I'll say to them and mm-hmm. here's how I'll, I'll punish them with my language and that gets really arousing very quickly and it builds a sexual tension that's just a constant melody in the background of your day. Mm-hmm. For me, that's really amazing because as a person person who has no real visual memory i'm not really great at enjoying masturbation on my own entirely i think i've said before i tend to read stories if i'm gonna do something but it's very difficult for me to get emotionally engaged in a story and it's the emotional engagement that actually gets me so when someone does this kind of stuff with me and eventually get to the point where you're then writing or talking or texting or and if you've got interactive toys you're using interactive toys and sort of mutually masturbating at distance Mm -hmm. and it is the closest thing in intensity and interest that I've ever had to having sex with a person in person. Interesting. Okay. Is through this approach. And I think that's super important right now. And in fact, because all of the mental part of sex is still there, it's almost like 90% is good. I mean, obviously the the physical part isn't there, but all the mental connection can be made at distance using this the DS approach to the situation. And so that's just so much more intense for me for sure than any kind of porn on my own would be or any kind of fantasizing about my partner would be, or honestly, even really more than phone sex would be, or even video sex that isn't also linked to this power exchange game playing, because all of those things are definitely like, I would be there having sex with you if I could, but I cannot, and this is the closest I can get to doing that. Whereas with the game playing, the game playing is just as good as if we were in person. Mm -hmm. And so at least one mechanic is at full bore. So there's one part of the relationship that's turned up to the regular level, even if I can't physically be there with you. And that's fun to do. I mean, and I know we're talking about not being able to be with people, but I've used that in relationships, even when I when I do see somebody that's like a long distance partner that I see like every other week or something like that. During those two weeks... We build it up so much during those two weeks. Oh, man. That it's incredible, you know, all weekend. Yeah. It's... Yeah, that whole... You're on high... You've built up so much tension that you can actually stay in, like, heightened maximum arousal for 48 hours straight while they're here. Oh, it's the best. Yeah. When my partner was at college, like, two and a half hours away, yeah. 
all week playing those games. And the thing is that you can reference it to get all that energy. Mm -hmm. You've been building a dialogue about a certain thing. What do you want to do to me the next time I see you? And then when they get there and you're like, so what are you going to do? And they say the words of the description that you've been working out and it's just so incredibly hot. And it's like immediate trigger to all of that bonding. Because that's Mm -hmm. what it is, is it creates the same bonding elements that having intense sexual moments always creates. Yeah. But it allows you to do it even if you're not physically in the same space. How is that different than sexting? I think it's it's just more involved sexting. Well, uh, maybe I just don't, I still don't understand exactly what the Dom uh, sub, like what is entailed in that. I I don't even know how to phrase my question. A couple of things that come to mind immediately while I'm trying to think about your question and then you can tell me if this feels like it answers it. Okay. So the first thing is that for a lot of people, power exchange itself is sexy. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was going to do was was I was going to go towards that. So I am really interested in fantasy writing, not sexual, also sexual, but but <laughs> like writing novels, right? And my favorite kinds of novels are fantasy novels because fantasy novels, I believe, actually talk about really, really boring stuff, Mm -hmm. but they push the context into an extreme scenario that makes the boring stuff interesting because the boring stuff is what you actually care about in the end. Interesting. Okay. Example, the show Dexter was about a serial killer, basically, supposedly, but it's really about the difficulties of mundane day-to-day relationship forming life. Mm -hmm. Like one whole season is just how do you do your hobbies, in his case, serial killing, while you have a young child that's trying Mm -hmm. to take all of your time. Mm -hmm. One whole season is how do you date someone and still maintain your own identity? And then it's framed in the structure of serial killing because the like the job then is serial killing. And that's that makes it interesting, air quote, because it's dialed up to like 11. Mm-hmm. Because when you watch him almost get caught, you get emotionally involved. But if you are watching him almost fail to write a report, it wouldn't get you involved. But if it was you failing to write a report, you'd get involved. So it allows you to feel emotionally about a made-up character the way that you would feel about your own life and about the things that are important in your life. And I think that power exchange does that to some extent, especially in distance, which is the power exchange creates a heightened tension that's obviously a little bit fanciful and a little bit over the top to some extent in the sense that it's a lot of the language will often be unrealistic. A lot of people are interested in like violence fantasies, but a violence fantasy is very different than actual violence. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Yeah. Or consensual, non-consent. Which is even beyond just a violence fantasy because in a violence fantasy, you presumably have like Mm -hmm. a safety word and some extreme forms of consensual non-consent you know it's all negotiated ahead of time right but that's again that's what you're into okay so i'm into the super ds part of all of it (laughs) and it's because i think we've talked about this before in my everyday life in my you know 8 a.m to 8 p.m i'm the dominant i'm mom of three and wife and caretaker and housemaker and you know and so it's really hot for me, for somebody to come mm-hmm. in and just go, you're going to do this. And this is, you know, and it's, and to take that power away, it's that, it's like taking that responsibility away. And it, it's actually mm-hmm. very easing to me. And, yeah. and so it's, it's, interesting. it's really hot for me. You'll see that usually people are switched with whatever their day-to-day life is. Like uh, businessmen will go in to see a dominatrix because they want that Mm -hmm. that taken off of them for an hour or two hours or however long. It's a great form of therapy for me. (laughs) (laughs) The partner that I had the most intense DS relationship with for a long time was in a really stressful college program where they were having to decide everything and choose everything and figure out everything and take the lead on everything. And so it was amazing. And we were doing 24-7 shit. Mm -hmm. But I mean, not really, because they were really far away and they'd only come home on the weekend. But right. in theory, like if we were interacting, we were staying in character 24-7. Mm-hmm. By the way, 24-7 DS means that you're always on. It's exhausting. <laughs> Mandy does not like 24-7. <laughs> it is exhausting. You're always in the, that mode when you're interacting. And we did that for like two years and it was oh, great. I- Let me finish my stories. <laughs> 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 then you can say your thing. And all I was going to say is when they got back from college, they got a job where they got told what to do a lot and immediately no longer found it arousing and couldn't figure it really messed. Like we had to rearrange our entire sex life Interesting. because their life went from stressful decision making all of the time. So being a, a submissive was really exciting to low stress, not a lot of decision making or being told what to do was boring and unpleasant. Yeah. Okay. Huh. relatively quickly. And so I was saying it's interesting that often is true that people tend to want to play whatever the reverse role that like their day to day life 
I was just gonna say it's exhausting for the dominant, not so much for the sub. Yeah. But it's exhausting for the dominant, just like it's exhausting in my everyday to have to be the dominant in everything I do. Yeah. It's exhausting if if you do twenty four seven, which is why like I I won't sign up for twenty four seven anything. I've only been the dominant in one of those scenarios once, and I won't ever do it again. My favorite note from the DS culture is that if you're being really serious about it, the dominant is actually the submissive. Yep. Because the dominant spends hours and hours and hours thinking about planning about and obsessing about how to please their submissive Mm -hmm. and the submissive just follows instructions for five minutes or 10 minutes or an hour or however long you're playing for or just when you're in the room you know Um, which was the other thing that was true is that we were doing 24 7 but but they weren't thinking about that or doing that except for when they were interacting with me. So I thought we were in it 24-7 because I have the kind of mind that's always in it. You were in it 24-7. <laughs> yeah. And they had the kind of mind where they were only in it when they were talking to me. Right. So like when they would text me or respond to me, they'd get into that mindset, but only for like that five minutes. And because it was mediated through technology, they would know when they were or were not going to be interacting with me. Yeah. And so then they would get into the mind frame before they would even respond to things. So like if they weren't in the right mindset and they saw a text from me, they would just leave it alone into they were ready to be in the right mindset for it you know and i didn't know that all that mediating was happening so they came home and i was like yeah this is gonna be great sexy times all the time and then they were like one i have not been doing this 24 7 and this is not cool and i'm not doing this for the next two years and two i now do not have an incredibly high stress decision making job 24 7 so actually this isn't that exciting and so the power change is interesting because power change is also automatically objectifying so sometimes Mm -hmm. we'll say intentional power exchange sometimes we'll say intentional objectification and usually when we mean intentional objectification we're talking about things where like it's explicit objectification reducing someone to an object as part of the game right calling someone by a body part instead of whatever their name is the, a girl has no name from game of thrones kind of thing we only need a consensual objectification when the objectification is explicit because all power exchange is by definition objectifying mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because power exchange is projecting your compliance into some future scenario right you're at least thinking you're going to project yourself as an object into the future and you're playing at that game yeah and obviously this isn't terrible because we've mentioned before that all in all the existentialist writing on sex they note that all sex at base is co-objectification it has to be because you literally engage the person as an object yeah they provide a physical pleasure that requires a certain objective quality that is not body free Mm -hmm. which is require certain object qualities of that person in order to meet those needs and so the idea of consensual power exchange i think is that you're just pushing that conceptually further and you're using it as a framework to create an ongoing sexual tension i i still don't exactly understand Stand where the line is and what exactly it is like I kind of get it but and maybe it's just that like the power play is not like my thing and so I don't understand like how how it would work like if it were my thing I'd, I'd understand how to work it I'd imagine I don't know I don't know I don't know because I didn't do it at all until I had a partner that said they wanted me to learn it right. and now it's like one of my favorite things okay. so I feel like it can be your thing and yet you can be completely unaware that it exists because it's a lot of effort to learn and a mm-hmm. lot of acculturation that makes sense. to get used to okay. like it's a whole skill set right okay I kind of feel like it would be like if nobody ever told you that oral was possible yeah right and then you did it and no one mentioned it ever anywhere. And you were like, well, if it was my thing, I'm sure I'd know about it. I feel like you wouldn't, though. Yeah, I think you're <laughs> like, right. I feel like you'd have to have someone suggest it. Okay, okay. So I think the sexting is like the 101 part. It involves sexting as well, but it's so much more in depth. I think that's just more of one of the tools because you can do your entire exchange in person or you can do it digitally as well. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I thought we were talking about the while you're away from each other. So my thought was I was talking with one of my friends and we were talking about our different DS fantasies. Like I miss having a DS relationship that looks like this. Mm -hmm. And they were saying I miss having a DS relationship that looks like this. And my response was, oh, shit, I'm surprised that everyone's profile on OkCupid or Bumble hasn't changed to not looking for in real life, but you want to do some long distance DS games because they're so sexy and they're so much fun and you can do them 100% not in person. Mm -hmm. You can build the same kind of emotional connection and relationship through those games that you would be able to build if you were having sex while not having sex. Yeah. That I feel like people should be working on recruiting people for that right now 
And if you have those relationships, maybe leaning into doing more of that work right now in the space that you would have normally used to see each other with the money you would have normally used to see each other. But then Sarah was like, I don't know what any of that means. So I was like, oh, shit, well, we should probably start with what does this even look like normally? Yeah, okay. So that we can talk about what it looks like at distance. And and really, I mean, I guess that's what I was saying at the beginning when I was sort of mulling over if it even has to be DS. I would really say sexual game playing Mm -hmm. is what I'm thinking about. That sexual game playing is something that you could do right now that people could be focusing on right now to really get needs met and to really build deep emotional and sexual connections without as much direct physical access to each other. But I don't know of any sexual games that aren't a DS game because sex itself is intrinsically objectifying. Right. I think is the reason why that ends up happening. Do you have any specific um, DS games that you could play long distance? Oh man. So I have a I have a whole platform for this. I like to make things. So I like to come up with games for the other person to play. And then I have these really nice index cards and write out the game on the index card and then send them the index card. And so for some partners I've even made them handmade wooden boxes that hold index cards. <laughs> you know, with like detailing and stuff on the outside of it. And then the index card has, you know, the name of each of the games that you play. And then I obviously have a set of the same index cards. And so then you're like, we're gonna play. And the person can read through the index card. And there's all sorts of areas of games. One of my favorite, of course, is call and response games. I like call and response games a lot. Call and response is where you have a preset. If I say X, you say Y. Mm. Oh, okay. And there are all sorts of ways that you can play this game. One of my favorite is a time sensitive one. So one of the ones is I have a card and the card says when I say, so FYI, I would normally like more sexually explicit language for this. And you use the language that you find compelling, but we're going to use less sexually explicit language. Well, because some of the platforms we're on might classify our whole podcast as NC-17 if we do one episode. So so call and response is whatever it is that you find sexy. So you might say something like when I message you. Is this like a yes daddy thing? Like like uh, just as an example, is that kind of like a... Well, no, a call and response is supposed to be something a little bit more specific. Like what is your favorite thing in the world? Pleasing you. Oh, okay, okay. You know, so something like that. If I ever I say the key phrase, what's your favorite thing in the world? You write back, pleasing you. Mm. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. And then I like to do something where you even make a little competition on the card. It has a record time for call and response. And then what happens is I'll text someone, what's your favorite thing in the world? And then when they text me back, I'll tell them the difference. Okay, that was your record. The fastest you've ever responded to that is 10 minutes. And then they keep getting like lower and lower records on their card. So they get more excited about basically having their phone somewhere where they can hear it so that they can respond to it. And you could have rewards responding quickly, or you could have punishments responding super slowly. And you're supposed to respond within X amount of time or in these contexts. That's a call and response game. I really like, well, art and aesthetics, right? So a lot of my interests are based around those things. So one of my favorite games is positions. So the Positions game works like dancing. So if you've ever taken ballet lessons or read about ballet lessons, they have positions like first position, second position, third position, mm-hmm. and they're specific dance start positions. Yeah, it's with feet and arms. Um, and so instead, you come up with the positions that you find really attractive and interesting and basically pose your partner in your favorite position and then you name that position okay and then they're supposed to memorize those positions and so you can do it in person of course because you can while you're in person that's a lot of fun like if you actually have like seven distinct positions and they memorize them all you can have so much fun playing in person (laughs) (laughs) you can just automatically redirect them and i like showing off a lot too like i like the pageantry of Mm -hmm. it so it's also really cool if you have the kind of partner that doesn't mind being in front of people to show off you can be like third position and they just reset to the exact space you need them and that's super cool that's very nice (laughs) and on point but of course you can do it in distance because you can send them a tech third position and then they can send a mirror photo of them in third position of where they're at yeah Yeah. so they can go and get into the position as fast as they can and send you the image back okay i think i'm kind of understanding at least i'm understanding these things that you're saying and i can see where that would lead to like all day tension yeah turn on stuff i've done like a dirty treasure hunt kind of thing where every day for a week or two weeks or a month or however long every day at noon you you get like michael said like an assignment and mine was always like he wanted me somewhere missing a specific article of clothing and i had to take a selfie you know whether it be the changing room of an old navy Or, you know, the bathroom of the Walmart. Uh And I had to have them done by like five o'clock. Okay. And it was to earn something, you know, at the end of the week Mm -hmm. or at the end of the two weeks or whatever. 
So that was fun. Was it something like an object or a sexual act or did it matter? Either or. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes it was an object and sometimes it was a sexual favor or something along those lines. Okay. And if I didn't do it, I would be, of course, punished in some way. Yeah. And the punishment was a part of the pleasure as well? Well, it depends. Yeah. No, you don't want it to be. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Well, again, it depends on your dynamic. Yeah. So like one of the three more common dynamics is the brat dynamic. The three most common dynamics are basically the traditional master dynamic and in which case you don't want the punishment to be pleasurable right because if the punishment's pleasurable people will not you won't be training i'm not gonna it'll be like third position and they'll ignore you because the thing that they'll get what they want by behaving incorrectly punishments you have for that can often be hilarious punishments hold a tennis ball against a wall with your chest for 10 minutes Uh it's just boring (laughs) Okay. It's not fun or interesting. It's an actual punishment. You're just like, well, I just wasted 10 minutes of my life for failing to do this thing. Yeah. Okay. And you can make it more extreme by doing it longer. So depending on how extreme you want to be, if you do that for an hour, it gets quite painful. So it can be very extreme. But yeah, so there's that. And then, of course, there are brats dynamics. And in the brat dynamic, the dynamic is I give you an assignment, you break it somehow. They want to see how much they can get away with. And... Well, there's two different versions I've seen. Oh. One is that they're trying to see how much they can get away with and your punishment's a real punishment and it's sort of a... Uh, who's better at this game, me or you? Yeah. You might have a rule. You always have to call me sir and they'll try and slip in not saying sir somewhere and see if you notice. Mm-hmm. They feel good about not getting caught. But then if they get caught, it's a real punishment. But I've also seen brat variants where it's basically more of a pageant kind of thing, like a scene where you're always going to give them assignment. They're always going to fail on purpose. You're always going to notice and then the punishment will be sexy. Yeah. In that case, that's what I think Sarah was talking about where it's the punishment's going to be spanking and you like spanking. So you'll say, make my bed and they'll make your bed but then they'll throw like a sock in the middle of it. Yeah. <laughs> so you'll come home to a maid bed, but with a sock in the middle of it. And you'll be like, come here. You deserve your punishment. <laughs> Whereas, you know, he knew that I liked spanking. So spanking was a, it was something I earned. Reward. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Much more commonly, that's going to be a reward. Yeah. Okay. Partly because it's a lot of work to do well, and it's just a lot of work to do right. And so it makes a lot more sense to use as a reward than it does to use as a punishment. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the, the third one is, and I've heard different names for it, so I'm not going to use a name, but sort of the caring version. There are consequences and stuff, but it's not so much that you get punished for doing wrong things. You just get rewarded for doing right things. Yeah. And you just don't get rewards for not doing right things. Okay. Yeah. We did some of those too. And then there's the always fun orgasm refusal. Sure. What? No, that always fun was our yeah oh okay (laughs) that's a punishment okay now you have to do this but without orgasming or you have to go a certain time without orgasming yeah like you have to go a certain amount of time without masturbating or a certain amount of time without orgasming yeah that sounds awful (laughs) what you can expend your place to is also part of the negotiation though Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't have orgasm refusal on the table for instance yeah so that's not a thing you're going to be able to do (laughs) some people are very much not into that Yeah, and orgasm refusal gets really tricky if you're poly. Because it can infringe Um, on your other relationships and stuff. Yeah, Yeah. right. Unless there's a context built in, like orgasm refusal except for with other partners. or So no masturbating and no with me, but yeah, it can get very complex if you don't have your other partners on board very quickly in a polyamorous relationship. Yeah. You're going to have a lot of complaining partners if they're like, well... Oh, my yeah. dom said I can't sleep with anybody for a week. <laughs> and I know we have a date, but... Yeah. I've had a partner, like, do, like, assign an orgasm refusal for a week and then get my other partner in on it. Sure. <laughs> where they were very teasing and very, you know, seductive. And they're like, oh, but you can't do that, can you? I'm like, oh, you are a dickhead. <laughs> like... <laughs> So, yeah, that sucks. (laughs) I mean, it sucks, but it's also an ideal dynamic scenario. Right. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously anything's on the table and that's what's so much fun about it. Like you can go rabbit hole for hours on common games, condom punishments, how to punish, how to spank, how to flog, how to do whatever you want. There is a really great website or a million that you can read just forever about the specific thing that you want to do. Because a lot of the things do take a lot of technical skill to do safely, like flogging. Definitely please read a lot of safety blogs if you're going to flog people. There's a, like, you know, you don't want to hit the organs. You don't want to generally hit large areas that you think people would normally hit. You don't want it to wrap around their legs but that's not what we're talking about yeah but there's so much just and so much you can do and what mandy mentioned early on which attentive listeners may have caught that mandy noticed a remote control vibrator mm. in the technological <laughs> i didn't know age. you were gonna leave that part in michael <laughs> 
<laughs> that is like dialing this up to 11 because you can get remote controlled masturbatory aids for all body parts. Yes. You can get one for your mouth if that's what you're into. You can get one for any part of you that you can think of. Yeah. And so that really starts making things amazing because then you can have someone have a thing where it's like at 11, send me a photo. And if you do, then I'll get you off. Yeah. And you can actually have the other person working the controls that get you off. And that is as close as you are ever going to get to safe sex. Like 100% safe sex, can't get pregnant, can't get the pandemic. <laughs> Let me tell you that the cool new Bluetooth control vibrator that I have, it will talk to the partner's version of it. Oh, wow. And they'll Ooh. do the same things. So amazing. Supposedly, you're feeling the same stuff at the same time. The website is called Lovens, L-O-V-E-N-S-E.com. And we'll just put that in the in the description. I think all of them that the Lovens sells are Bluetooth controlled. Like, I can control it on my phone, and my partner can control it on their phone. Great. Thousands and thousands of miles away. So much fun. Yeah. And there's also patterns and stuff that are already uploaded from other people that are mm -hmm. up and down and up, you know, like different patterns. And then there's specific ones that will talk to each other, like I said. Well, as we said before, there's devices for every body part and every body part could talk to any other body part. So whatever it is that you and your partner are into, whatever gender constellation your people yes. or group of people are in, there are devices that will meet those needs. Yes. So I think that's good. I don't mind doing an endorsement. I mean, it would be cool if we got money for endorsements, <laughs> but we don't. So this is just the thing that we know works yes. that Mandy has used. And Mandy's like, this is awesome. The Nora. The Nora is the specific one that I used and it is amazing. The thought though then is, as good as that is for me to get into a mind frame where I really feel like I'm mentally making love to somebody, I have to connect with them around some sort of story. And for people that are not in like a DS relationship, that story is about our shared life together. It's about the time we spent together. It's about maybe what that date looked like or the signals of you touched my hand and then I smelled your hair and, you know, whatever that is. But the thing is that this is an immediate and controlled way that you can guarantee that a story is being written. Mm -hmm. So you can immediately engage that other person around a story and connect emotionally and know what you're connecting around. Like, I'm connecting around this game that we're playing. I understand my relationship to you inside of this context. You make it clear where I exist, where you exist, and what the rules of the game are. And that allows me to engage with much lowered inhibitions because I'm not worried that I'm going to say the wrong thing or treat you in a way that makes you sad or unhappy. And the game creates a fantasy context that we're relating to ourselves in. And then you combine that, especially with long distance sexual aids, it's like 95% of the way to actually being yeah. with somebody, especially if you also maybe have a, like doing a video chat like we're doing to record this. And then you got the video chat and you can see each other yeah. and you've been playing the game for weeks for the buildup. And then you get to this point and now we've got the device that's mimicking all of the action so that we're getting many of the same physical sensations as if we were in the room while having the visuals, while having the story. And I mean, it's really close to the real thing. It's pretty mind blowing. Yeah. You can get to sex that's far better than much in-person sex that I've had. Interesting. Okay. Well, it sounds great. I'll say that. I'll say that. <laughs> Other assignments are really cool too. If you have that whole DS dynamic from a distance mm -hmm. or with the pandemic and everything, send me a pair of underwear that you wore all day long. Ah. You get the scent and you get, it's it's a shared experience again. And that's also rewards that you can use. So like uh, one of the rewards I often used at distance was if you're good, I'll take my sweatshirt, put it in a Ziploc yeah. bag to save the scent and send it to you. So there's a, a good physical smell reward. That we talked about doing that for people that just need your touch, but here's a way to reward somebody, yeah. Tie it to a sexual story so that not only does it smell good, but whenever they think about it, they think of all the cute, sexy things they did for you to earn mm -hmm. that item. And that's arousing and keeps it in their mind and keeps them in that headspace. So like the, the assignments are really cool and you can be super creative with them. You know, sending somebody a pair of panties, I guess is not super creative, but it depends on if you've thought of it or not. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, it does give you an opportunity, obviously, to be creative and to showcase what you've learned about somebody and to learn about somebody. And you can use assignments like every day, I want you to send me one fact about you you think that I don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, and if it's a fact that you've already told me, then X happens or... <laughs> a game on top of the game. So the game is always send me a fact. And then there's another yep. punishment or game that's built into whether or not you remember what facts I already know about you. And it can go both ways. You know, you can both be switches and you can both mm -hmm. do those games for each other. And does that make more sense, Sarah? Yes, absolutely. 
I had no idea that the, like, all of the different facets of it, and I never would have thought that that was a part of it. Like, the, the, the gameplay and whatever, I, I wouldn't have thought that was BDSM, and I never would have come up with it on my own, so. Yeah, I think the thing is, no matter what you are into, I think you can build a DS relationship that hits your interests. Mm-hmm. The only thing about DS relationship stuff is that they just tend to be more effort, which is part of what I like about them. Okay. DS relationships are, to me, head and shoulders much more, I don't want to say much more exhausting than a regular relationship, than a vanilla relationship, but they do take a lot more effort. Basically, DS relationships create an infinite ability to celebrate your partner is kind of how I think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like when you think about when you have like a Valentine's Day, like that person's supposed to put in extra effort, but there's also a lot of chances for extra interest and extra sexy and extra points and extra fun and extra getting to know each other. Mm-hmm. And DS relationships will sort of bring that holiday spirit to literally every day at whatever level you negotiate is not unnecessarily exhausting to you. So the thing that tends to burn out or limit how much DS stuff you do is how much energy and time that you and your partner have available. And so one thing is, is if you're not spending time driving to your partners to see them, blocking out a four-hour evening workday, you can definitely spend that time writing these games, playing these games. You can take that time and divide it up through the whole week so that you're talking to them all the time and then building up like an hour-long virtual date or something on those time frames when you would have spent the half the evening with them. And I think they're also really great because you can play them in front of people and around people. So if you're stuck at home and you have to take care of your kids, it's really hard to get away for a full four hours. But it's really easy to text your partner in front of your kids without being a creeper. (laughs) Yeah. Whereas, you know, it's much more difficult to, to actually get away with my kids home all the time and no childcare. It is a lot harder to find time to do any of the romantic buildup. And this gives you an opportunity to do that in text form and time delayed form, basically to keep yourself revved up for when you do see them or when you see them digitally. You always have time to run to the bathroom and take a sexy picture. Always. <laughs> Even with two kids running around the house. You've always got time to go to the bathroom and take a sexy picture. When I was in the relationship where we did the kind of like dirty treasure hunt, that kind of thing is, I did, I had two kids running around. So (laughs) it was, uh, it was cool. I mean, and we did, he did stupid assignments like um, send me a picture of a spoon on the inside of your thigh. (laughs) Just to be silly and just to be sexy too. Or send me a photo of, my name written in Sharpie on your ankle. That is kind of cute. Just weird little things that required, you know, just a few minutes, but it was a few minutes specifically directed toward that partner. That's that's kind of like sexy time at a distance. Right. It was just a few minutes here and a few minutes there that didn't, you know, didn't take up a lot of my day, but it was, yeah, it was specifically focused on him every day. I like it. I want to try it. And I like the personal thing. I love like one of my partners that I currently have is that's definitely one of the things that I love is seeing my name written on people. And I know it's really twisted. I think it's cute. (laughs) I definitely had Jerry write my name on his hip. That's cute. Two months after we were dating, like in Sharpie. And he bitched about it for forever because he couldn't get it off because he was in Sharpie. (laughs) You know, like you see people will send uh, like nudes, right? Like sexy pictures back and forth. Mm -hmm. When, and sometimes that picture has been sent to four or five people. Okay. So it's, it's my way of getting my own sexy picture. Because he's not going to send a picture to any of his other partners with my name written on his hip. You know, <laughs> so it's it's a very personal way to get my own sexy picture. I like it. I and mean, you can't see me. Only Michael and Sarah can see me, but I'm blushing. That's how much I like it. <laughs> I think that's sort of what's great about it mm-hmm. is, I mean, there is something right. sexy about knowing that this photo was taken. Right. Explicit this thing. Just for you and with you in mind. Yeah. And like, I think that's a lot of what the game playing is about is that you are in their mind. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. I was thinking about actually talking about language earlier today and thinking about the way that when you talk to someone, you're actually imagining how they will hear your words and what they will hear. Which is why I don't like having conversations with more than one person at a time if it's a really deep conversation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like when I was a kid, people would always be like, can't we all have this conversation together? And I'm like, no. And they're like, well, it's more efficient because you're going to have to say it twice. And I'm like, yeah, but that's better than saying it 10 times because I'll be talking to this one person very specifically, knowing what our shared context is and how they're going to hear my words. And then this other person will go, what you're saying makes no sense. And I'm like, well, that's because I wasn't saying it to you. I was saying it to this person. And so I think that we 
do as a human we do a lot of that like laughing people laugh 90 percent more if there's another person present and part of that is because it's a shared social gesture but part of that is imagining the other person also finding the thing that you're thinking funny so like when i'm watching a movie and i like i know a funny part's coming up a lot of times the imagining the person next to me seeing that and realizing how funny it's going to be makes me start laughing before the part even comes up if it's a movie like i've seen and they haven't seen and i'm like giggling and like i'm like <laughs> that's a lot of what's happening here it's not just a sexy photo i know that that person sat down to make me this sexy photo regardless of how goofy or weird or strange it is they did it for me they inconvenienced themselves for me taking a weird sexy photo in a works bathroom is definitely not something they would have normally done they didn't do it for them they definitely did it because i was like this is what would make me happy and so there's so much theory of mind stuff going on and that's what keeps it i think is a lot of what keeps it so sexy is you when you have power exchange you know what's going on more then you normally know what's going on when someone does something that I understand exactly because we've explicitly negotiated why you're doing this thing than I would ever know if you just sent me a sexy picture. Well, and also anticipation is a huge part of the game playing because if you just send me a sexy picture, that's sexy. But if I'm like, send me a sexy picture and then I'm waiting for two hours going, it's coming. I'm going to get a sexy picture. Like I'm thinking about it for the whole two hours, imagining what sexy picture I'm going to get, what it's going to look like. And then I get it. And I'm like, oh man, this isn't even what I was thinking. That's so cool. Like, but it's, like, this is exciting and it's just for me and it's very specific. I love surprise sexy pictures too. I always like sexy pictures, but surprise sexy pictures do not come with a two hour arousal anticipation period. You know, I think that's part of what's great about it. And that's the thing is that there's tons of anticipation. There's tons of imagining what the other person is thinking about mm -hmm. you. There's tons of relaying what you're thinking about. There's lots of, I'm sitting here waiting for you to send this picture. And then that person knows that you're sitting somewhere being aroused, thinking about getting a picture from them for two hours. And that's attractive to them mm -hmm. for two hours. And so it's just so easy to build that tension. And I don't know what that would look like, you know, without the objectifying element. Because the objectifying element is like, you must send me a picture. So now I know I'm getting a picture. Yeah. There's something incredibly sexy about a DS relationship to me. Well, I think it's also hard not to be because the amount of just discussion you know it's interesting because people started studying polyamorous relationships they're like these relationships seem to do better but they can't tell from the research what's making it work better because one of the things about a polyamorous relationship is that people talk about the relationships on average 10 times right. more in a polyamorous relationship mm -hmm. and relationships regular monogamous relationships that talk about the relationship 10 times more guess what mm -hmm. do just as well so so to do a ds relationship requires a huge amount of discourse laying out the rules discussing what makes uh, like what's sexy to you creating the the groundwork that will even allow you to do that even like a basic beginning of that kind of relationship like what kind of ds relationship are you looking for tells you a huge yeah. amount about the person's interest that you're talking to so you get you get really invested in talking about each other's fantasies and sexual dreams and desires and that is always crazy sexy no matter why you're doing it but the thing about it is because it gives you a structured framework, it's easier to keep doing. It just builds a structure. I really think that you could, in theory, come up with any kind of structure that required you to talk about all of your fantasies and interests, which I think is part of what I was talking about. I, I don't know if I touched on it here or not, but I've talked about like mystic sexual practices have that value as well, I think, you know, like sex magic, basically. It has a similar thing because it gives you a framework. It gives you a homework assignment. It gives you discussion points. It gives you how you're going to do the work. It keeps you engaged. It makes sure that you have how you're going to meet each other and why and where and gives you something to think about a lot even when you're not there like what would a good ritual look like and then write the other person and go i think it would look like this and then that again you're imagining what they'll think of it and you're imagining them in that position mm -hmm. and that's really sexy and okay. or like writing sex stories to each other write fantasy stories to each other that isn't even a ds thing although you can also do that as a ds thing my partner and i were having trouble understanding each other's sexuality and this was like 10 years into our relationship we were getting sort of a, a sticking block we were no longer meeting each yeah, other you mentioned this. and they were like i don't know what you want i don't know what you want and i wrote a series of stories where i was like okay here's my fantasy about my ideal sexual scenario and they were like oh shit i never understood that this connectivity that you're interested in more than anything else and like this partner this sexual partnership mm, okay right and they were able to see that because you can see it playing out in the story. It's like watching a movie and going, oh, that's how it works. Yeah, I think that's the answer to my original question now. Because at the beginning, I posed the question, could you do all this without a DS framework? And I think the answer is yes, but you would need a framework. And the thing is, there's just so much out there on the DS framework already that it's super easy. And then I do think 
it does push the intensity, especially at distance, of that relationship, making it feel more present than it would through another framework. I do think it's easier, and I think it's easier for those reasons. But if you really don't like that, and you might have reasons that you really don't like that, or it just really may not be your cup of tea because the bell curve being what it is, or people that might just find that unattractive mm -hmm. automatically, I think you can do it through other frameworks. I think you could do it through... I, I mentioned, I think, this book before that I liked called Zen Sex, which was just a really short Westerner's version of a guide of looking at the history of seeking enlightenment through sex in Zen practitioners. I think you could have a Zen sex practice with your partner that serves many of the same functions. I think you could have a creative writing sexual practice that serves many of the same functions. But the thing is that all of those things are even more work because you've got to write a book <laughs> yeah. or read a book or read many books or devote yourself to trying to reach enlightenment through sex, which is, let me tell you, way more work than sending someone right. a sexy pic on Saturday. <laughs> and then again, also what's, what's accessible? Like I can right now find a hundred great websites in six seconds that will give me the intro to DS relationships. I cannot find that for those other things. I have to, I had to dig for a long time to find that reading and then to sort out the trash from stuff that made sense and <laughs> to, to get good sources and translations. I'm excited to try it. I mean, it'll be fun while you're doing it. I might report back. I have to say, I can't wait for Sarah updates. This is going to be great. <laughs> you guys, this is so much fucking fun. Have you tried? <laughs> yeah. Do you have any other games? Uh, I want to know, are you are you writing them? Are you going to try the D first or the S first? I don't know. We haven't gotten that far yet. I just sent a text that was like... What are you interested in? No, no. It's more like something that this particular person has expressed interest in that seems along those lines. And I have a thing that I got to do after the podcast. And so I'm like, hey, will you do this with me? And then and later I'm going to have a discussion like, I kind of want to make this our thing. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, good luck, and we will hopefully hear from you later. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks we'll for listening. We'll see you all next week. Have a good night. Bye. 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 And stop. <laughs>